I have the distinct honor and privilege to introduce our guest speaker tonight, who is personally related to me, and I find that a great honor as well. Dr. Gayla Holly will be coming before us in just a few minutes, but I wanted to share a little bit about her so that you have an idea of who's coming before you. Gayla was born in Benton, Illinois, to Sam and Joyce Latter, who happened to be my parents-in-law. At the age of seven, Gayla moved with her parents and her three gorgeous brothers to Liberia, West Africa. The experience of this early adventure provided her with an early education of humanitarian mission work. Upon returning to the United States to complete schooling, Gayla met and married evangelist Gregory Holly on December 27, 1975. As itinerant ministers and teachers, the couple traveled throughout the world and continue to be ambassadors of New Life Foundation. Just a little side note, we were driving up here this evening, and we were talking about an artist named uh, Mr. Driscoll. And my husband and her husband, Greg, went to visit Mr. Driscoll in the early 80s. He was a prophetic artist, and he would draw paintings that had to do something with one of our lives or some of our lives. And many times they were actually paintings of areas he'd never been to, but they were specific areas in the world, or they depicted a calling on your life. We have such a painting here, and the painting is of Comanche Peak, and it was before we ever knew Comanche Peak existed, God did, and he brought us here. The painting that God gave... Dr. Gala and Greg Holly represented a ship and a lighthouse. A ship and a lighthouse. And Mr. Driscoll said to them, you are both of those. Now forward to this time in our lives, they ship humanitarian aid all over the world all the time. And this is what was spoken over them in the 80s. They are a lighthouse to many pastors around the world and men and women in the body of Christ. They speak into people's lives every day. That is their calling. And much fruit has come out of them being a ship and a lighthouse. Yay, Gala. Let's cut that out. That's right. Gayla formed a foundation called Moms Against Hunger, which many of you know about already. And she is called by the Lord to minister the love of God through, like we said, humanitarian aid to children and people who have gone through devastating times in their life through hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes. There are shipments that are being made and sent all the time. In fact, tomorrow morning she'll be sharing something about India. I will not say any more because I know that Miss Marietta will be introducing Gayla tomorrow morning, and so you can take up where I left off. I just want to say, having Sister Gayla as my sister and as part of my family, I've got to watch her and Bishop Greg Holly. I've got to watch them. 
I've got to watch them in their highs and their lows. I've got to watch them in their brokenness and in their victories. And they have remained steadfast before the Lord. And so tonight you have a woman who has been tried and proven and is really coming out looking like gold. She is coming up today in her brokenness, ready to share the things and the truths of God. And I just ask that you would open your hearts to receive my sister-in-law and our speaker for this weekend, Dr. Gayla Holly. Please give it up for her. Look, she's wearing gold. <laughs> oh, it's nice to be back in Granbury. It always feels like home to me. Every time I get to come here and be with you precious ladies and my family, Miss Yvette and my big brother, Alan, who I'm very close to, and I talk to him sometimes three or four times a week. I call him, can you talk? <laughs> They'll say, yes, two minutes. <laughs> or i got 30 minutes. Or I'm driving. Go ahead, talk. As you well know, he is the sweetest, truly Christian pastor. You are so blessed to have him. He's a genuine Christian. And I admire him and my sweet sister-in-law, Yvette, so much. And it is my honor to be with you tonight. And I'm really looking forward to an amazing weekend. Can you turn to the lady next to you and say, we're going to have an amazing weekend. We truly are. We truly are. I would like to say a great big thank you and a welcome to my daughter who's with me tonight, Angela. If you've not met her, this is Angela Joy. She's a pastor's wife, and uh, she was born in Africa during the Rhodesia-Zimbabwe War, which is where Miss Yvette is from, and she's my African baby. And she is a well-versed and a great speaker in her own right, and I'm so happy that she's with me this weekend. We had a ball coming up here. We just made a little side trip through Waco. Y'all know what's in Waco? Magnolia. We didn't take much time, but you know what? We planned our time so we'd have at least 45 minutes, an hour, you know, just to walk through that place. It was crammed full of women today. But it was a great joy to get to be with her in a place that is a fabulous, uh, ideal place for her. She is, has a home that looks like something out of a magazine, and she's very talented, and It's just a fun time for me as a mom to get to have her, and I'm so glad she came. She has two busy teenagers who need a lot of attention, a lot of time. Those of you that have teenagers understand that statement, but I appreciate her being with me. And for those of you that are involved in Moms Against Hunger and it's your missions program, I just am going to give you updates all weekend long and keep you informed on what's going on. And and, uh, I have a little table out front. You know, I, I take an untold number of children with me everywhere I go. I sense them. They crowd in the room when I'm speaking, and I always feel them and feel responsible to do something to help their lives in different nations. We sit in absolute paradise tonight. I got a picture of a little girl this morning sitting in the dirt in India. She's handicapped. 
she's hopeless, no way out. Except she gets a miraculous meal from Moms Against Hunger that has been prayed over, that has been anointed, that has been blessed. She's eating blessed food, and God is going to use that to raise that little girl up. Anyway, I'm not going to get off that. I could go speak all night about that. But Angela will help me at the table at the, at the end of service tonight. I have the last books with me, the last ones of a 1,000. And I'm fixing I have to order some more. But I don't know, maybe have 10, 15, that's it. That's all I have. So I brought them with me. The proceeds are from Moms Against Hunger. If you'd like to be a partner, sign up there, put your email down so you can get updates what we're doing. Anyway, I was telling Yvette at supper, I just got these pictures in. I want to show the ladies. So tomorrow morning we're going to try to make that happen for you off of my phone. I'm not a techno, techno geek. I'm not at all. I need lots of help in that department. But I get these tons of pictures coming to my phone from all over the world. So I lean heavily on the expertise of sound men all over to say, please, can I just give you my phone and you you make it work? (laughs) So I appreciate their help. Well, tonight we are going to start a journey. I know the name of this conference is Be Still. We're going on a journey. We're going to go on a journey to find peace. The world we live in is shaking. Everything that can be shaken is are about to fall apart shaking. And it's not just America, it's it's every nation is being shook up. And it's not just politically. It's environmentally, economically, health areas. Look at Zika. I mean, whoever dreamed of that happening? Recently, I was in Nicaragua and held a Zika baby with half of a head. He was three years old. He weighed 18 pounds. Broke my heart. No hope. Counseled with pregnant women there. Look, you need to start wearing mosquito spray. Put this on. Oh, it's not going to bother me. Such a need for understanding and education. So there's all sorts of shaking going on. Nation to nation. Not just that, but in our own realm here in America, are being shook up. Shook up in our economy. Shook up in our politics. Somebody said amen on that. Shook up in our own health regions. The ideas and the thoughts behind vaccines. Plans of our nation to recover and rebuild and do certain things and Help our neighbors across the borders and not help our neighbors. What to do? The shaking continues. And in our own families, marriages are stretched constantly. Constantly. You have to work to stay together. Do I hear an amen on that? He gets an attitude and the last thing you want to do is stay with him. But nevertheless, there's pressure. Constant pressure. Pushing pressure. It's almost as if I see a woman put on a big, heavy black cape that just weighs her down. And every step is an effort to push. I got to go to work. After work, I have to go to work. And then I lay down. I can't sleep because I have to get up at five and go to work. 
Maybe I should get up at four and do do some laundry and do some stuff in the house. I got to go to work so I can go to work. Where's my break? Where's my rest? Our minds are pulled. We need peace. We need peace. And being still sometimes doesn't mean you are at peace. It's just, I need some peace and quiet around here. Doesn't mean you got peace and quiet. Just, shh, everybody hush. But inside the head, the wheels are turning. I need to make a list. I got to go to the grocery store. I need to make sure I pay that. Oh, I got school fees coming up. Oh, my daughter needs this homework done. Oh, my son needs this, this, this. Inside the head is like worlds upon worlds happening. Constantly. So to get still means we have to stop. You've done that tonight. Some of you had a major fight getting here. Big time fight. Hard to get away from the family. Hard to get away from that husband sometimes. You're not happy that you're going to spend a whole weekend away from him. But we got this going. We got that going. Yes, but I have to have a little respite. I've got to find a little peace. And you have dedicated yourself to spend the time to find stillness. Why do we need to be still? So that you can go back to your busy world calmed inside. At rest inside. So you can handle things with wisdom and not with nerves. That is a learned position that I believe the Lord has given me called the four stages of peace. Now, inside your sweet little gift basket that you have right in front of you, that little bag, are these that your leaders have so thoughtfully provided. I want to encourage you, take it out. You're going to want to take some notes. Don't leave this conference saying, now what did she say? Take notes so you can go home and apply these things from the Word of God into your own life. Amen? Since you get it, there should be a little pen with it. Put your name inside that and let's go to stage one. Stage one is called ordained peace. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're right here with me. I thank you that you gave me this word, this strong word, that you walked with me through the levels of this, that you helped me, Father, learn. Help me to know even more, Father. Open up my understanding. Make me your vessel. Cause me to say that which you want me to say and not say that which I shouldn't. Anoint the ears to hear, Father. Help us to grow tonight. Because our world desperately needs peace. I speak calm into every heart right now. I bind busyness mentally. I bind distractions. I bind hindrances. And I push them away to give us a space to sit at your feet, Lord. And truly grow this weekend. May you be glorified, Jesus. In your precious name. Amen.
You know, when we talk about peace, we are thinking that it's sweet. Ooh, it's rest. I'm relaxed. I feel loved. I'm settled. I'm comforted. I'm calmed. I have the ease of life. Well, everybody can have the ease of life if you had $5 million. Well, let me just tell you something. I've met a lot of wealthy people in my life. The Lord told me one time I would have of the heights to use for the depths. I've met a lot of those people. They ain't happy. They're stressed out trying to protect their stuff. They got to protect it from the banker, from the lawyer, from the criminal. They got to protect it from everybody, their family. They got to keep a hold of that thing. That's a full-time job right there, hanging on to your money so nobody else gets it. So money doesn't bring peace. Neither does stuff. Because as I have learned, you can lose it as quick or quicker than it took you to get it. What takes you 20 years to build can be lost in 20 minutes. I'm living proof that happens. So peace has to come from another way to us. Isaiah 26.12 says, Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us. For thou also hast wrought all our works in us. There was a time in my life I was busy doing works. Busy, busy, busy. I loved my work. I loved all the things I did. I was happy doing pastor's wife work. I was busy all the time. Had programs going, had dramas going, had illustrated sermons happening. Loved the Sunday school, loved the women's ministry. I enjoyed it all. A huge prison ministry happening. I was in charge of, it was fun. I was busy all the time. Oh, and I had five thrift stores I was managing. And a hubby who said all the time, are you going to quit and come be with me? Well, I'm doing the work of the Lord. Well, yeah, but what about me? I loved my life. I enjoyed it. It was fun to me. It never felt like work, ever. I found my talents and I used my talents for the glory of the Lord. Stay with me, my friend. I told you we were going on a journey. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us. For you has wrought all our works in us. You gave me all this stuff to do, Lord. You've ordained peace for me. But then I started having health problems. Because I was asleep in maybe three, four hours at night. Get up at four o'clock in the morning go write another sermon. Man, wake my husband up. I got this idea that I could do such and such in Haiti. He's like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Do you know it's 5 o'clock in the morning? Thou wilt ordain peace for me. Jeremiah 29.11, as you well can quote, I'm sure, says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Oh, goody. 
You're going to give all my hopes and dreams and expect it in. Everything I want to do is going to happen. Because you think good thoughts about me. Yes. But like I said, we're going on a journey to truly uncover truths. Not story tales. Not fairy tales. But truths about peace. I'm going to try to be transparent with you as we walk together through this to find our stillness. Genesis 20, 37, verse 5 through 11 is a story I want to read to you. You see, if we study someone else's life, we can uncover the patterns or we can uncover the truths that they walk through. And we don't have to step in those potholes if we already see them there. That's what parents try to do all the time with their kids, isn't it? You try to warn them, honey, don't go there. Don't hang out with those people. Don't be with them. Come on, get good grades, stay in school. Why are we trying to do that? Trying to keep them from falling in the same pit that we ourselves may have fallen into and have personal experience. We're trying to protect them. So if we can take people's lives in the Word of God and learn from them, hopefully we will really learn and not fall into those pits. Or know that we are in the pit at the right time because God has ordained such a thing. So to have ordained peace, I must tell you, is the end result. It's over here. It's ordained. He already stated it. He already laid it out. But where we are on the journey toward peace ain't right here, baby girl. We're somewhere way over here. We're way over here. Now, he has ordained peace for us over there. But there's a great gulf between us and peace many times. We go to church. We just barrel on through. We just push our way through. We just get through it. Gut our way through it. Well, we ain't got no peace. Oh, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. Lying through our teeth. Lying. You ain't blessed. You're mad. Or you're hurt. But you can't say those things, right? Nobody really wants to hear that. Or you're bitter. Or you're using unforgiveness to cover something. Ordained peace is over here. But we living over here somewhere. I know the thoughts I think about you. Thoughts of good, not of evil. To bring you, bring you, come on, to an expected end. You mean peace is a destination I can live in? You betcha. You betcha. But as I must tell you, it will cost you something. Genesis 37, verse 5, starts with this. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. Sorry, we're starting with verse 5. He was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Am I wrong? Did I get it wrong too, 37? Is that right? 
what am I doing? Genesis 37, 5 through 11, I thought. Verse 3, would y'all please help me? I need lots of help. I'm sorry. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children. Oh, he was the best loved. Because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Verse 5 says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Hear, I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. I want you to hear it. It's so amazing. It's really special. It's just unbelievable. It's awesome. You've got to listen. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheep. Oh, can you imagine what his brother said? Oh, really, huh? Who are you? You're a smart aleck. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more. For his dreams and for his words. Now, we're just going up and escalating in anger and hatred, aren't we? We're just going up. So they hated him because he was the father's favorite son. They hated him for the first dream. And now, oh, my goodness, here comes another one. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed, I've dreamed another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars. Made obeisance unto me. And he told it to his father and his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brethren indeed come and bow ourselves down to thee? To the earth? The favorite son has angered his father. And verse 11 says, And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. Three things. To get to ordained peace, you have to understand some things. Three things, first of all. First of all, he was his father's favorite son. Second one, he did have a coat of many colors. And third, he did have two dreams. Three unmistakable things happened in his life. He didn't choose to be his dad's favorite. His dad just loved him because he was the son of his old age. He didn't go to his dad and say, make me a coat. His dad just made him one. And I have this vision. I want to make one of those coats. And I'll tell you how I'm going to do it. I'm going to get a whole bunch of men's neckties. Now, stay with me. 
start from the narrow end, think about it, and go all the way to the wide end. Sew them all together, make armholes, and put it on, and it has this beautiful wide train behind it. Wouldn't that be a beautiful coat of many colors? i got to come up with one. That'd make a great sermon. Take me a whole bunch of ties, but you know what? Goodwill's right around the corner. He did have a coat. It was unlike anybody else's. And he did have two dreams. See, God's prophetic calling on your life always starts with three things. God's ordained peace for you always has three things. First thing is, you are Father God's beloved daughter. You are. You know, we are his last creation. He didn't make women first. He made men first. And then he upgraded. Gave us indoor plumbing. He took the parts from man and added his own imagination with it and created woman. We were his last creation. Now, we messed up big time, and man got to be the boss. We get it. We get it. But nevertheless, he was fascinated with this creation called woman that he made. He loves his girl. To have ordained peace, you have to understand that, grasp that, embrace it, hold it, enclose it inside of you, that you are his beloved. That you are God's best loved girl. He loves me more than anybody else. Do you have that inside of you, first and foremost? Is the love of God so permeating inside of you that you're not intimidated, you're not embarrassed, you're not afraid, you're not boastful, you don't have to be anybody anymore. You are his daughter. He's the one in charge. Number one, you are the beloved daughter. Number two, There is a coat of many colors on your life. He did give you many colors of blessings, many colors of talents, many colors of abilities. He did give it to you when you were born. It's already in your DNA. It's in your genetics. You don't know how you know how to paint, but you just know. You didn't know how to sing, but you just know how to sing, how to teach. You just know. You don't know how to decorate stuff. You just do it. You just know. Why? It's the coat on you. The fabulous coat on you. Can't you see? I've got to have that necktie coat. I've got to make one. It might be my next project. Maybe girl will get us a necktie coat. To think about all the things you can do. Where did you get that idea to add a little extra spice in your curry? A little extra spice in your banana bread? A little extra. How'd you know to do that? I don't know, just know. Oh, don't you use a recipe? Well, no, it's just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's just. It's the coat on you. It's the talent on you. It's the ability God already put inside his favorite daughter. How do you know how to cut hair and style it and make women look gorgeous? I don't know. It just, it just comes natural. Oh, no, it's a coat on you. 
It's what God already put inside you. That's the second thing. The third thing is God will give you a dream. God will give you a dream. Not something you learn from somebody else. Not even necessarily something somebody spoke over you. It comes from way down inside of you. It's an earnest desire. It's a yearning. It's I wish. It's I want to. It's I need to. I desire to. It's a dream he put inside of your heart. It's ordained of God. But dreams start over here. They aren't way down there an ordained peace. Stay with me, my friend. Ordained peace. Is it something you just say, oh, I receive my ordained peace. It's the end result of the journey of faith. As you grasp lesson by lesson, concept of God by concept of God. As you accept calling by calling. As you purport to be and practice and learn how to experience that ordained peace. Where are you in your journey? Are you over here somewhere? I dare say most of the time I'm way over there. In fact, I'm out the door some days. Ordained peace is the end result of a mature Christian who has walked through the fire and is now on the other side. That's ordained peace. Ordained peace is the woman who lost her husband and has learned to walk on with joy. Ordained peace is the woman who has suffered cancer and has still survived it with a smile. Ordained peace is a journey. You see, John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be, what's that last word? Afraid. Wait a minute. That's the kind of peace the world gives that makes you afraid, makes you fearful, makes you uncertain. So God's peace is not like natural peace. God's peace is a supernatural ability that comes on your life that ordains you to do a certain work and you do it with boldness and confidence and you're not afraid. God's peace is a supernatural anointing of the Holy Ghost that comes on you. It causes you to walk through fire. I remember one time I was in Haiti and there was a riot starting. I was passing out food. Do you want to hear this? Can I give you this story real quick? I'm going to tell you something about ordained peace. There was a whole group of men around me. I was in a refugee camp and passing out food. And all of a sudden, a group of men came up and thought I was with President Clinton. Are you kidding me? I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm mom's against hunger. Here's my paper. See? Took my papers, tore them up, threw them on my face. Picked up stones. A crowd starts gathering. My team of six people. I think it was five or six, something at that time. My interpreter runs away. 
I'm telling you, runs six blocks and gets in the car and locks the doors. So now I can't even talk to them. They're screaming in French and I'm smiling in English. So my bodyguard, supposed to be my bodyguard, he's like six foot eight. He doesn't even speak. He like freezes, suddenly freezes. These people are screaming and the crowd's getting bigger. They're like yelling in my face, spitting in my face. I got really calm inside. I said, Jesus, what do I do about this? And then I had an idea. God didn't, you know, threaten and lightning and none of that. Just had this little simple idea. I'm going to break it down to you. When you get into crisis, don't look for some gigantic answer. It'll already come from inside of you. It's a little idea. And most of the time we say, no, that won't work. And we reject the counsel of God. Oh, well, that wasn't spiritual. That was too simplistic. I mean, that ain't going to work. Get behind me, devil. When it was really God. Here's what came out of my mouth. I turned to my guy next to me. The cameraman dropped his camera. Didn't take one picture through this. And I was more aggravated at him when it was over because we could have got some great shots of that fight. He didn't take one. He said, I was afraid they'd take my camera. Okay. I said, put a smile on your faces, guys, and take your backpacks off real slow and get suckers out and stick a sucker in every screaming mouth. That's what I said. So they're like, really? Yeah. Smile. And I said, and we're slowly going to bring the crowd with us back to the car. Hopefully the interpreter's there. Smiling the whole time. Was I shaking inside? No. I was completely calm. It was like they were kindergarten kids. So by now there's like 150 people. So I'm like, oh, come, come. We have presents for you. Come. You must come with me. They're screaming, raw, pull the sucker out, raw, put the sucker back in. Raw, raw. It's hard to scream and suck a sucker at the same time. So we start walking to the car six blocks away. Now we've got 300 people with us. Now the car was filled with more supplies for other refugee camps, okay? But I'm thinking all the way through. When I'm getting to the car, I've got to figure out who the ringleader is of this whole mess. That's as far as I got in my head. I didn't, go, I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. I just knew those suckers would make it till we got to the car, and then, you know, we'll figure it out from there. We get to the car. We run out of suckers because as soon as they ran out of sucker, we stuck another one in their hand. Well, those people were hungry. I wasn't mad at those people. I would be mad, too. At the Clintons for promising us billions of dollars and not giving us one cent. I'd have been mad too. So I wasn't mad at them. Of course they were upset. There was 1.5 million people living outside with no latrine, no water, no bed, nothing out in the hot sun. Of course they were mad. I felt for them. But I didn't exactly think that was my day to die either. So by the time we get to the car, I have figured out who the ringleader is. So I make him come stand by me. Come on, you. Me? Yeah, you. Comes to me, and I make him stand in front of this clearing. And sure enough, my interpreter is in the car. I went to the car window, and I said with a smile and gritty teeth, Get out of the car, and you will do your job with me right now. 
trembling, gets out of the car. I said, do you interpret everything I say? Friends and neighbors is what I said. (laughs) Friends and neighbors? (laughs) Really? (laughs) That's what I said. I brought you presents today. My team's looking at me like I'm crazy. You know, the interpretation happens. But everyone must stand back, and this man here is going to be the representation. So everybody must wait till we get all the presents out. So the crowd backs up, sucking the last of their suckers. He stands there. He's like glowering. We open the hatches. We open every door. I said, take everything out we have. Then the team wants to argue with me. You know, so many times we give God such a fight to do the right thing. We work against what he's trying to do. My team says, we can't give them everything. We won't have anything for the next group. I said, you give it or it's your life. Choose. Okay. So we make the ringleader stand in the front. I'm piling up blankets and food and water and toilet paper and women and women's feminine products, get my drift, and soap and toothpaste, everything I had. I had enough for probably 3,000 people. And when we got close to the end, the people started inching forward. I said, no, 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 back up. Wait till the big presentation. Big presentation. So they back up and they're watching. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I'm walking on water. Total water. My team don't even know. Their eyes are like owls. I said, make sure every door stays open. Listen to me. Listen to me. Smile. Everybody smile. It's always good to smile in a crisis. Helps people's nerves. Helps husbands calm down. I said, you see this pile of blankets? Put it in his arms. So tall he cannot see us. And then when I say on the count of three, you guys jump in the car, start the engine, and I will turn the crowd loose to get their presents. God is so smart. So I said, everybody, say one. They all said one. The guy can't even see because he's got so many blankets. He's feeling super important. He's the big guy. He sure was. Everybody say two. Whole crowd roars two. When I said three, my team jumped in the car, started the engine, left my door open. That crowd jumped that man. They had their own wonderful Christmas riot. I jumped in the car. We roared off. They never even saw us leave. I laughed so hard that day. I'm telling you, I roared laughing. It was a big thrill (laughs) to see how God handled that. It was amazing. Nobody was laughing in the car but me. I turned and I said, what's wrong with you guys? That was funny. It was hilarious. They're like, you're crazy. (laughs) My point in telling you is this. God ordained peace at that instant and told me exactly what to do moment by moment play. I didn't know the way ahead. I just followed. 
I just followed him in the crisis. That ordained peace was on me because I was doing a job not for me. I was doing something for him. When you do things for God's purpose, he takes care of it. He knew I was in a a serious problem. He knew I was about to be mobbed. Could have been killed. He knew that. He knew the the problem was bigger than I was. But he also knew he took away fear from me. He didn't take it away from the men with me. Sorry, guys. He didn't take it away from them. He took it away from me. And he made it a thrilling experience for me. As you can tell right now, it still thrills me. I still get excited. I'm seeing it happen in my head again as I give the Lord praise for what he did. He and I had a blast. I had ordained peace. None of that team will ever go back to Haiti with me. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. God's peace is not like natural peace. It's a supernatural thing that comes on you in the hour that you need it. You see, God's chosen vessels don't live in blessed bliss. That's not possible. But blessedness comes on you. In the hour, you have to have him. I don't know if I can say it again. God's people don't live in blessed bliss. We don't live in that. But his blessedness will come on us in the hour when we need it. Certain dreams, impressions, visions... Rhema words often come to us in the first season of our Christian walk. They come to us then. And right after heaven is opened up on you and you receive this marvelous prophetic speech, and you turn around and you got to face hell. Because I don't know about you, but every time God has given me something powerful and special, I walk through demonic warfare oppressions, troubles, sorrows, sickness. I've been told three times I have cancer, breast cancer, and one time you have a mass in your liver, and another time you have tuberculosis, and most recently you have an enlarged heart. But I'm still here. I ain't gone nowhere. So the word of the Lord is greater than man's peace. Peace I give unto you, not like the world. I'm talking about walking into a different realm than we are walking in. Oh, God, I thought heaven was going to come down on me, and all I've done is face the devil. This was a curse on me, not a blessing. (laughs) There will be misunderstandings come upon you. There will be jealousies, there will be hatreds, there will be mockery, there will be disrespect. Hard words, unbelief will jump on you. I'm not trying to scare you. You've already lived through some of this. You already know some of this. All these swirling things 
comes to separate the ordained from everything around you except the dream. I thought you loved me, God. (laughs) How could you let this happen? I just went to church Sunday and heard a marvelous word, and now all of this has happened. This can't be God. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. My friend, John 15, verse 16, Jesus said to us, You have not chosen me. But I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you should ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Your life is not your own. You are the beloved. You belong to the Father. You're his favorite daughter. Remember, you're his beloved. You're his first. You're a woman. You're his final creation upon earth. He loves you. He's fascinated with you. He gave you a coat of many colors. And he gave you a dream. Then how could all this happen? It's not who you can become that is most important now. You know, I get really tired of titles. I really get tired of that. It's not who you can become to God that's important. It's just... The total surrender, the total commitment, the absolute obedience that brings peace. You see, he doesn't need our talents to do his plan in us. This is a big lesson I'm about to show you. This word right now is not to excite you to jump on the table and hallelujah, shout to God. This word is to help you on your journey. If you've been faced with certain disconcerting things that have shaken your faith and made you unsure of your own foundation, dare I say to you, it's God. The first level of your peace is completed when we have moved from our identity to our purpose. You've just taken the first step when all of a sudden you say, you know what? I I can't do this. I thought you wanted to use me in my talents, Lord. Yes, he does. But that is only stage one. I'm not through my personal journey yet. I'm not in heaven. But I have learned a few things along the way. Stage one is moving from your own identity to your purpose. When your own identity is lost, you don't need it anymore. It's gone. It's buried. You've grieved the death of it, and now you're into purpose. That is a step towards peace like none other. 
You know, we were laughing today about social media. We're all our own press release agents now. We could put on any identity we want to for the world to read, huh? Take a selfie. Hey, girl! Meanwhile, you act like the devil at home. Hey, girl! Really? We're the best National Enquirer there can ever be about ourselves. We're pretty. We're smart. We have it together. Houses are always lovely. Our kids are perfect. Lies! (laughs) It's crazy, isn't it? And who looks at our posts the most? You answer that question. You just did. We love to read the newspaper about ourselves. Oh, I look really good in this picture. Girl, you took that angle just right. Look, you can't see all that other stuff. It's just, you know, slim and trim. Make sure you get the camera high enough. I don't want to get this. Or hold your hand just right where it don't show. Hey. We're still lost and in love with our own identity. When Moms Against Hunger was first birthed, it came through a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. It didn't come easy. It came through the death of my second child. I lost that baby, and the Lord spoke to me. On the day the child was supposed to have been naturally born, I was grieving for that child's loss. I grieved so bad. Nobody in my church knew it. Nobody really cared, I felt like, because nobody said anything. It was just get back on the organ and play. The show must go on. So, I'm grieving the loss of that child. This is when Angela was three. I won't tell your age now, honey bear. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me that day. I'm grieving in my, my house, my little farmhouse alone. I'm crying to God. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Kayla, If you will give up your desire to have another child, I will give you children all over the world. His exact words. I stopped crying because his words were so shocking to me. And I said, you're making a deal with me? Okay. Okay. And I gave that dead child to the Lord that day. I didn't grieve over that baby anymore. I forgot that dream. I forgot it. Went on to be a happy pastor's wife, doing all the stuff I love to do. It was fun. Everything was wonderful. I was busy, happy in the Lord's work. I started shipping a few things here and there, and I'm sitting at a red light one day. I just shipped a load to Uganda. It's just, you know, doing what we do. And the Lord spoke to me at that red light and said, remember when I promised you I'd give you children all over the world? And suddenly, it's like scales fell off my eyes. Suddenly, I realized, oh, my God, he did do it. I do have kids all over the world. Oh, my God. And I started crying as I realized the enormity of that. That was my first dream that I fully recognized was God. The second dream was when ministers came and laid hands on me and said, God, I want you to do such and such and such and such, and told me a whole bunch of stuff that so scared me and so intimidated me and so made me say, I can't do any of that. 
I can preach, I can sing, I can dance, I can paint, I can cook, but I can't do that. And for a while, the season in my life was I can't. Because, my friend, I thought it was all based, I'm being honest with you, I thought it was all based on my ability to perform. My talent, my skill, my knowledge, my experience. I didn't have any peace when that dawned on me. My God, that's too big. I can't feed millions and millions of meals. How can I carry the children of 15 nations? How can I do that? How can I reach people in the Middle East? I think until the Lord came to me one day and said, I don't need your talents to do my dream in you. And I realized I've been hiding behind my talents. That I'd stayed at baby level of my talents. I hid behind my talent. I I worked on my skill. I developed my scope of influence. I, I got experience. I learned. I educated myself. But then he didn't need it. But I thought you wanted to use my talents. You gave me talents to use them. No. That was babyhood. That's just the coat I put on you. That's the coat I put on you, but that's not the dream I gave in you. Someday the coat will come off. Then where will you be? I had it in my Christianese head. God gave us my talents to use my talents for him, and then he would be glorified, and I would be somebody. Shh. That's a lie. No, your talents were just to give you confidence that God would back you up, but he really doesn't need our talents. He just needs us to be willing. Because the dream he wants to do in you, hear me, my friend, is bigger than the dream you think you understand he wants you to do. And I spent a lot of time trying to make the dreams happen. (laughs) And God was pleased when I finally grasped the insight. He didn't want me to make it happen. He knew that I finally knew that I couldn't do it, that I had to have him. When you reach the place in your purpose where you realize, I have to have God, I can't do this, and he knows it inside you, only then can you move into ordained. Only then can you say, it's not my will. I'm not big enough to do this. It's only him. That is a learned progression of your faith. That's a maturation of your faith. We can spend our time in the altar of God. When is this dream going to happen? When are you going to make it happen? I've been trying. I've been working and no doors are open. I've been knocking. I've been pleading. I've been begging. 
Maybe he just needs us to say, okay, God, it's not my timing. It's not my way. When you're ready, you will make it happen. Until then, I will just love you and be your daughter and walk in the beautiful robe you gave me. And I will revel in the dreams with just you. And when you are ready, Lord, you will do it. When it's time, when God finally sees, we know we can't do it. And we understand that. And we humble ourselves. Then that's when it starts happening. Because finally, it's not about us. That's the beginning of ordained peace. What has God ordained for you? What is his idea for you to do? Can you help me, brother? What is it he wants you to do? It doesn't really require your abilities. He, he's God. He doesn't need our talents. He just gave those to us to give us confidence to just get out of the boat, just start. But we all have seen the lifelines thrown out of ministries and people who now have agendas and egos and are famous. God is left behind and not glorified anymore. And we messed up. This holy place is for only his agenda, not ours. Don't forget, this is his house. This is not particularly our place to revel. Sure, we can enjoy, and we do enjoy when we're children, but the time comes when we must move, and the world is shaking in such a place. You must move. You must move, because this no longer is secure. Move out of that boat of security, of talent, of abilities of my own experience, of what I'm good at. I can pull it down. I can sing the glory down. Oh, really? I can't do any of that anymore. If he doesn't help me, I can't do nothing. Because it's too big for me. But I saw sheaves. And I saw these sheaves bow down to me. And I saw the sun, moon, and stars. And they all bowed down. To me. (laughs) When the dream comes from God, it will come to a place in your life. When the dream is of God, it is ordained of Him for His particular reason. It was bigger than Joseph could have ever imagined. More important than he ever could have seen. But he was proud of it. Dad, you're going to bow down to me. My brothers, (laughs) you're going to bow down to me.
Yeah, it was going to happen, but not the way he thought. Yeah, it's going to happen for you, but not the way you thought. Not the way you thought. First, there's ordained peace. Would you bow your head? First in your life is a journey to reach from where you are to ordained peace. Where you accept the fact, I am his daughter. Could you put your hand on your heart and say, sincerely in your own mind, with your eyes closed, can you truly say, I am loved by you, God. I feel loved by you. I am your daughter. I'm yours. I'm your favorite. I'm the girl after your own heart. Can you say that ignored with all your heart that you're loved? Know it with all your mind and your soul that God loves you. He's not like men who condemn and reject. He's God. God is love. And He loves you. And you are His daughter. You take that first step and accept that robe that He put on you of your talents. Accept it. Take it into yourself. God, you gave me the abilities. You gave me these strengths. Maybe I haven't developed them yet. Maybe I'm just at step two where I just haven't yet developed everything you put inside my heart. Help me, Lord. Would you just put one hand up in the air as if you're putting your hand through the arm of a coat? Put that coat on right now. Take your other hand. Put it up. Let it slip down over you. That coat. That blessing that God gave you. That ability he put in you. Will you say, I accept this coat, Lord. I accept this coat, Lord. Do you know the dream God's put inside you? Did it come to you in the night season? Was it spoken over your life? Was it a rhema word? Was it a vision? What was that dream that God gave you? What was that? Would you say with me, Lord, forgive me for trying to make it fit who I am right now. In my understanding of who I am right now, forgive me, Lord, for trying to make it fit my life right now. Because all it's done is bring me jealousy, trouble, anguish, because I've misunderstood. I've not understood I heard the Lord say one word to me tonight, one sentence when I walked in this room. I heard the Father say this to me for you. He said, I'm asking you to trust me. That's what he said. I'm asking you to trust me. And you in your own heart know where you are in your life. Can you close your eyes, put your hand on your heart, and say, Okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take that first step toward ordained peace. I'm going to trust you. 
prayer team that's here, would you stand and would you come to the front and help me right now? Just stand right across the front. Right here in this opening night, we're going to take a step. I told you this was a journey. We're going on a journey. When we end this weekend, your life will never be the same. I hear the Lord. I'm asking you to trust me. He's asking you to trust him. I'm asking every lady as a sign of faith, would you step out of your seat, come forward, let someone lay hands and pray with you as a sign that, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to lay down my understanding of it. I'm going to lay down what I think is supposed to happen. And I'm going to walk toward ordained peace. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to step forward out of my life and I'm going to take a step toward ordained peace and I'm going to trust you. I reach out for you, Lord. I'm walking toward you, Jesus. This is your beloved daughter. I'm walking toward you with that beautiful coat that you put on me. I'm walking toward those dreams that you've given me, that you put in my heart. I'm walking toward your ordained peace to be who you've called me to be because I am yours. You've asked me to trust you. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to walk toward that place of stillness by saying, I trust you. I trust you. Can I trust the areas around my life? But I can trust you. Deserve the glory. Yes, Jesus. And the honor. And the honor. Lord, we lift our hands lift our in worship. As we lift your holy name. You deserve the glory. You deserve the glory. And the honor. And the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship. As we lift your holy name, for you are great, you do miracles so great, there is no one else like you, there is no one else like you, you are great. Come on ladies, come forward, find someone to just agree with you, I'm going to take your peace Lord, I'm going to trust you Jesus. I'm going to take that step of faith. I'm going to just trust you. That you know what you're doing with my life. That I am your daughter. I am your beloved daughter. You deserve the glory. Hallelujah. Is there some more ladies that might help us? Might help us pray? Lord, we lift our hands in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we lift I need some more ladies to help pray. Thank you, Lord. The Come on, step forward. Just take a step of faith. Just take a step of faith. What have you got to lose Lord, by saying, I'm going to try. I'm going to step out from where I'm at. I'm going to find that ordained peace for me. I'm going to find that stillness. I'm going to reach that place. Come on, find somebody to agree with you and pray for you. Angela, somebody can pray with Angela. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
I'm trusting you, Father. I'm reaching out to you, God. Come on, let me take a step today. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm finding that place of stillness. I'm finding that place, Lord. I'm reaching for you, Jesus. I'm reaching for you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. How wonderful you are, Lord. How wonderful you are, Lord. How wonderful you are, Lord. The glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. Oh, you deserve the glory, Lord Jesus. And the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. Away. He's here to touch your need. He's here to bring you forward. Take a step of faith towards your ordained peace. You Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you opened my eyes. You open my heart. You cause me, Lord, to walk toward ordained peace like I've never known before. And no matter what the world is shaking, I'm not shaking. I am not shaking. I have walked in your ordained peace. Jesus, Jesus. of the Lord here. His anointing is here. He's here. Would you just worship Him? Come on, step out of yourself and walk in His presence. It's just you and Him. Him, you and your Father. I worship you. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You are mine, Lord. You are mine, Lord. You are mine, Lord. There is
write what the Lord's saying to you right now. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Pick it up. Do not judge what's going on in your head. Just start writing what he's saying to you right now. Just write. The words that come to your mind, put them on the paper. Don't think about it. Don't judge it. Just let it flow right through you. The Father wants to speak to you his song right now. Come on, pick up that pen. He's talking to you. Pulled you away to talk to you. Just write the sentence that you hear in your head. Just write it down. A thought that you have in your mind, just write it down. We'll be still a minute and let you write it. 